This is episode number 25 with the one and only Caduce. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. all the greats out there. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I want to jump right into it. And I've got a great quote that starts today by Jack Welsh. And he says, before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. And I really love this quote by Jack Welsh because leaders turn other people into leaders as well. But it's all about self-discovery and continual growth every single day, every single week and month. You can't stop growing. Once you stop growing, you stop leading. You stop living. So you've got to continue to learn how to grow and discover new ways to become a better version of yourself and becoming a better leader. That can be in your family. That can be in your if you're in school with your classmates, if you're in a company, whatever it may be in your relationship. You've got to continue to grow yourself. And then when you become a leader, success is all about growing others. And the reason I wanted to start off with that today is because I've got my good friend Caduce on the School of Greatness, and he is an amazing leader, done some great things with his career, relationships, community, charities, some amazing things. And in this interview today, we're going to talk about how he became one of the top VJs on MTV, and he was on MTV for, I think, six years after Carson Daly and uh, really dominated on TV for a long time, interviewed some of the biggest celebrities in the world, musicians, entertainers, and uh, he's done some amazing things since that stint on MTV, on TRL. So we're going to talk about how he got his chance when he was just a young guy out of Canada, how he became a rock star on MTV for so long, what some of the most interesting stories were of his time there while he was in New York City, hanging out with Jay-Z and Beyonce and all the biggest stars and interviewing them and learning about what their biggest fears were, what they had that other amazing artists did not have how they discovered themselves. He's going to share some of these stories and some of these tips about what it is all these great artists had, all these great musicians had, and the common theme between each of them and how we can all tap into that common theme as well. So I'm very excited about this. We also went into kind of a a different direction and we talk about leadership towards the uh, second half of this interview. So I think you're going to Really enjoy this one today, and please, if you do enjoy it, share it with your friends on Facebook and Twitter, and give Caduce a shout-out online as well. I want to share uh, a quick quote from the fans of the week. Loving all you guys out there who are posting pics on Instagram. You guys are posting pics every single day from all over the world. It's so inspiring. And I actually saw a picture from one of my good friends Old buddy of mine I haven't seen in 10 years playing uh, college football, actually, up in Minnesota. He, uh, his name is John Howard. He's Training Edge Sports on Instagram. And he's up in Minneapolis area, and he posted a pic. <laughs> he was running a marathon, and he posted a pic like every five miles 
listening to a new episode. So I thought it was really cool. I think he got through like four or five episodes on his marathon and he just kept taking pictures and saying, I'm listening to this episode with Sean Johnson and this episode with Dr. Jeff Spencer is really cool. So shout out to John Howard, Training Edge Sports on Instagram. And also my man, uh, Nicholas Kingo. He has been posting amazing pics. He's a male model, one of the top male models in Europe. He's traveled around doing some great things. He posted a pic of him listening to the School of Greatness this time coming from Copenhagen, Denmark, in front of a cool statue. So big shout out to Nicholas Kingo uh, for you guys being the fans of the week. And the review of the week, really quick. been lots of great reviews. I appreciate you guys' feedback for things I can improve on and also the positive stuff that you're sharing. Here's a quick review that says, listen and repeat, inspiring and uplifting. It's by Kiwi Liz B on iTunes and says, check this podcast out. Inspiring interviews from a great range of unique people. After listening, you feel unstoppable. So important in life to have people around us that push us forward and make us want to be a better person. Lewis's podcast, In My Ears, does that. Cheers and thank you. I appreciate it. Kiwi Liz B, uh, thanks so much. I'm always bringing inspiring guests each and every week to share with you guys what it is that they know that the rest of the world doesn't know and how we can all tap into our inner greatness. It's all about becoming unstoppable with what we want in our business and our life and everything else in between. And that's why I'm bringing you some of the best leaders in the world to share what they've learned and their experiences. I am pumped. Caduce is a powerful leader. He's an awesome individual, super warm and loving. And the stuff he's going to share with you right now is going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect for you. Thanks so much for coming in today, guys. Make sure to stick around to the very end and let the class begin. Boom. The one and only Caduce. What's up, Caduce? Oh, man, I'm feeling good. (laughs) Blessed. Feeling real special. Real special being at the School of Greatness, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Very excited to have my man Caduce on. We actually did another interview like two months ago and the audio went awry and uh, went missing on my computer. So we're doing another one. It's going to be bigger and better and even more awesome. Absolutely. That was just rehearsal. It was a test. It was (laughs) more of a hang session. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Caduce, for those that don't know, uh, used to be the host of a show on MTV called TRL, which stands for Total Request Live. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I remember watching the show because it was, uh, I would watch it during the day a lot. It was on during the day, isn't that yep. right? Like mm-hmm. a, a noon or two. It was like a few times, it seemed like, or they would have replays or something. Or, yeah, they, they might have worn that show out yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, it was definitely the cash cow for MTV at the yeah. time. So uh, I'm not surprised if they, you know, did it at nauseum throughout <laughs> the day. But yeah, it was a good show. We were all proud of it. So might as well run with it. Milk that well. cow. You had it for six years. Is that right? You were the host? I was there for uh, roughly five and a half six years yeah and then i left mm. and uh got, got got busy with different endeavors went to myspace records yeah got behind the scenes as a artist development guy there and uh still dabbled in hosting when mm. it made sense i was a special correspondent for access hollywood yeah. did a show at nickelodeon called dance on sunset wow. and uh, of course duets last year with abc but uh yeah it, it was definitely the best time being at mtv in my early 20s just wilding out Man, I was in New York City. You were the the man of the hour, right? (laughs) It was a bit ridiculous. Yeah, and especially coming from where I'm from. I'm from Canada, modest, middle class, you know, at best. 
um, bringing bringing forth that kind of level of pop cultureness, uh, all of a sudden felt like it was a whole nother universe. So as you can imagine, it was a lot for a young twenty guy yeah. to, to to keep up with. But I had a great time, learned a lot. Now I want to cover a few things in this interview, but I want to talk first about, and you can be brief as you want, but the story about how you got the job. Oh, yeah. You've told me this a few times. <laughs> I want everyone to hear just everything that happened leading up to getting like. Pretty much the dream job that you could have gotten as a 19-year-old. You were 19, right? I was 20 when I got the job. I I was 19 as things started to get interesting for me up in Canada. Because I was uh, coming out of high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I'll be a teacher. Maybe I'll play in the NBA if I get another growth spurt. I was very hopeful. Didn't work out quite that way. But um, ultimately, I went to university like a lot of people do. Not quite sure. Thankfully, I DJed in high school, and I was decent enough on the turntables uh, that a good friend of mine named Sam took notice. And when he got a slot on the campus radio station at the university I was going to, he offered me the opportunity to come and DJ on that show. So that was a great intro into broadcasting, although I'd never taken any kind of broadcasting course. I was in my major in university. Uh, I totally ran with it because it was fun. Right. But... What ended up happening as a result was uh, everybody around me started to really think about me in terms of this guy could do some things on air. And so when the VJ search was announced for Much Music, which is the equivalent of MTV up in Canada, uh, everybody around me was like, dude, you got to submit for this VJ search. And you'd only done a little bit of DJing and school broadcasting yeah small radio show that 100 people listen to exactly it was it was a small small thing but it was a great uh kickstarter as it were so when i got chosen as a finalist nobody's really surprised you know but i was certainly a little bit taken aback but went there to toronto you know they flew me out there and all of a sudden i was on air auditioning in front of canada for you know this particular slot and it was wild. It was a great experience, but I was the runner-up. Uh, did well, um, but I was I was still finding my way as a young man. Didn't sure. quite know what my voice was, what I really wanted to offer up. Didn't really have much swag about me, really. Uh, but I did well enough that I was the runner-up. Sure enough, it was the best thing that ever happened. And when I got the results, you know, live on air, I actually wasn't as crushed as you think I might be mm. because I kind of felt in my core that everything happens for a reason. And sure enough. There was a TV producer over at a network called TV Ontario that I'd seen how I did with the VJ search, and she was in development with a show that was basically like the Young 60 Minutes for this network, TV Ontario. It's a show called Vox. And anyway, sure enough, I'd caught wind of them looking for a host to start the show, and I went in, auditioned. She had already seen me in this VJ search, so she was already a fan, and the executives that were with her deciding, you know, quickly caught on, and... Next thing you know, I was doing the show called Vox. That was really what the real catalyst for me to be able to find more of a voice and 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 develop more on air and be more confident in front of the camera and all the things that uh, I didn't really have in the fold at Much Music VJ Search. And so it was awesome to do that for a season. And then a friend of mine from Ottawa, my, where I grew up, in my hometown, he happened to have an aunt who worked at a small agency called the William Morris Agency. No, Maybe you've heard no of it. Deal. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know anything about the William Morris Agency or the business at large. 19. I was like, yeah, as an 18, 19 at the time. Um, but he he knew that I ought to start really branching out. And, and so he said, take this experience that you've had with VJ Search, with Vox, put together a reel. I'll get it to my aunt and we'll see what happens. So sure enough, I put together a reel. He sent it over to her. It took her like 
six months to actually pop that thing in the DVD player and give me a chance. But when she did, finally she uh, agreed with her nephew, Ben Barry. That's his name, Ben Barry. I'll never forget that guy. I mean, he he really did uh, open that huge door for me. And so sure enough, you know, I went down to New York one time on a modeling trip because I was also modeling at the time. And uh, that was the opportunity that, you know, this aunt of his uh, took to set me up with a junior agent at William Morris, went in, met with him. After five minutes, he said, you're perfect for MTV. Wow. And sure enough, he got me a meeting with the talent development guy the next day over at MTV. And uh, his name was Scott Venner. And as I sat there in front of Scott, you know, I was I was nervous. I was like starting to really kind of get the understanding of what I was stepping into. I had no idea really the grandeur of MTV at the time because I hadn't grown up with MTV. I had grown up with much music. So anyway, I was looking across it. Scott is a very stoic guy. He won't really, he's like a poker player. He doesn't really give you any indication of how you're doing. So I'm sitting there just excitedly talking about why I want to be VJ. <laughs> He's looking at me like, you know. Stone cold face, yeah. Not giving me anything to work off of at all. So I didn't know how I was doing. I started developing dry mouth, you know, when you get nervous. <laughs> and you're just like talking and talking and talking. Anyway, sure enough, um, he said, all right, let me put you on tape. And uh, he had me read off these cue cards from TRL that day. I had never seen TRL, so I had no refer- reference point at all for the show, which I think kind of played to my benefit because I I just I, I did myself. I did who I was. I yeah. presented myself without any sort of frame of reference for how Carson hosted the show and so I think that's ultimately what they appreciated was the fact that I was just being myself and I was excited and I was passionate and um anyway so sure enough two days later I got the call that I was a new VJ they chose me and next thing you know my life changed and uh I was uh on a beach in Key West Florida on my first assignment with MTV next thing you know and for the summer, for the summer, yeah, the summer beach house. Uh, I don't think they quite do that the same way anymore. Uh, but I remember though, so because they had all these girls out there, bikinis. On yeah, that was like what I wanted to watch. Put this on, right? Oh yeah, a lot of eye candy. Yeah. and uh, yeah, just it was a, it was a good time. It was a trip, and um, coming from Canada, like I said, having been raised going in, to the U.S., it was like living a dream. Oh, dude, we like, and what was crazy was that like my family at home couldn't watch it. So I was like trying to describe it to them, and there's it, it no way to you just can't do justice to an environment there like that. There was no YouTube then. There was no online video. Exactly, so it was like you had to be in the U.S. to watch it to experience it. By the way, I've never felt so old talking about how there's the day <laughs> when YouTube wasn't around. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I remember when the pager first came out <laughs> before cell phones were prominent, and I remember being very resistant to pagers. I remember like <laughs> being the guy to be like, oh, I don't know about that. People can reach me wherever I am, whenever. Oh I like my freedom. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was definitely That's another funny. time. And uh, obviously now MTV is a totally different network yeah, and different has different priorities. But um, it's more like reality show is what it is now. Right? Totally, yeah. totally. And a lot of people they make a point of coming up to me as someone who they recognize from MTV and griping about their there's no music anymore. What's going on? No music. <laughs> I'm like, listen, straight up, y'all didn't watch it. When it was on MTV, and they made a point of exactly reality shows have just been rating better, Um, and even now you see like you know Fuse is struggling to really get viewership, and people are on YouTube getting their videos there, and you know you just got to embrace the change and adapt accordingly. And MTV's done a pretty good job of that. I mean, you can criticize some of their programming for being a little bit debasing, but (laughs) oh well. Now, what what years what years were you there? What what year did you start? 
I started in 2001 proper, and then yeah, went until January of 2006. So it was a great, it's a great run. I mean, I, I suppose for VJs, that's like you know, that's a that's it's a, it's a very long <laughs> term. But um, it was so cool. I, I really did learn a lot about just ultimately how everybody is a human being, really, because. I think when people think about the people I've interviewed, they always ask me, oh my God, what were they like? And they, right. I think they think in idol worship terms. And I'm like, right. well, you know, Jim Carrey's got to go to the bathroom just like us. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's interesting. Cause because you, cause you interviewed like, who were the biggest people you interviewed? You like, like Beyonce and Kanye and everybody. Jay-Z and anyone and under the sun, right? Yeah, everybody and everybody and everybody. I mean, Stevie Wonder was one that comes to mind that was tripping me out. It was one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is one of my personal heroes. I remember that was a big deal, especially with the buildup, because TRL, they always gave me the assignment of who I was interviewing the morning of. Uh-huh. But with this particular situation, they called me on a conference call. It was like... The people who were running Stevie's label, it was all the executives from MTV, they were all on the call, and they called me in order to give me the news that I was chosen to interview Stevie Wonder wow. next week on TRL. No pressure. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> first of all, I was wondering, you know, what if I didn't pick up the phone? Um, <laughs> they've all just been like, okay, we're going to choose another VJ. But anyway, they, they sure <laughs> enough had me in mind. And um, anyway, I was, I was uh, totally... Uh, honored because uh, obviously Stevie is who he is. Right. And then so the day comes and of course I am overwhelmed with emotion. I'm feeling nerves. I'm feeling excitement. And um, I remember coming that day wondering if he was already there. Sure enough he was. Then I was like okay well I think I want to meet him beforehand. I want to make yeah. sure like we get a vibe because otherwise we'll be on air all of a sudden and I'll be like peeing my pants wondering what to ask him. I won't even know how to act. So let me get a little acclimatized first. <laughs> so sure enough you know, one of my producers walks me over, introduced me to his handler, and his handler introduced oh me gosh. to him. And I remember distinctly feeling like Stevie has uh, obviously so many people getting at him at all times, wanting to get a piece of him. So he needs to be somewhat discerning. I remember him not just embracing me right away. Like, I remember him, like, distinctly kind of, like, feeling me out. Like, I, you know, just, yeah, really kind of just keeping himself and just seeing what I was going to bring to the table. You know, seeing what energy I was going to bring, what I was going to say. And I remember just being in reverence. I remember just being really honest about how I was feeling. I was like, Stevie, you've been a hero of mine. And, you know, I managed to be coherent enough to communicate my fanness to him. Um, And it was coming from such a genuine place that ultimately I saw his guard drop and ended up having a great show. Um, We went back and forth for the whole hour practically. At one point he pulled out his kazoo, started like singing a song for us and TRL, you know, and like playing and the whole thing. It was completely impromptu. And, you know, he seemed to open up and he he talked at length like I am now. (laughs) (laughs) And um, that's always for me the best compliment when I can connect with somebody t- to the point where they feel like they can just share yeah. and not filter themselves. Feel and, completely uh, open. And yeah, yeah. So that was a beautiful moment. But yeah, in terms of like how all the interviews went, you know, it, it was always so interesting to really see how, at the end of the day, these are just people that really made a point of going after what they love to do and yeah. confronting their demons and whatever, you know, kind of the limited beliefs that people tell themselves along the way. I can't do that. Oh, what do you mean? I'm not gonna. I can't rap like Jay Z. Imagine if Kanye was sitting there when he was young, looking at Jay Z, thinking about how. Oh man, Jay, but Jay's from Brooklyn, so he's got credibility. He's got a story that 
Kanye could have easily said that, counted himself out, but instead Kanye was like, what's my story? You know? Yeah. And everybody that I've interviewed along the way really has been a testament to that. So it's been mm. cool. What did you learn about people the most through all the interviews? Because you've probably done thousands of interviews. Yeah. What is it about people that you learned the most about them in general? Um, I feel like the people that rise to the top are the ones that ultimately want it more. Mm and are willing to put in the work. You know, people, you know, oftentimes say, oh, well, people that become famous, it's because they slept with this person or that person. At the end of the day, I'm not going to watch a show just because someone is uber famous on it. I'm going to watch a show because I'm getting value from what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a really vulnerable, powerful performance that makes me think twice about how I'm living as a human being. Or I'm watching Kanye because like his energy is just... But you don't get like that from just the cheap right. uh, shortcuts, you know? And so ultimately, you know, it's also having a certain amount of savvy in terms of the people that you surround yourself with. I've seen that be a pretty prominent theme that everybody that is particularly successful tends to keep really smart people around them, people that are also willing to challenge them. Yeah. You know, I don't think yes men do anybody any favors at the end of the day. Um, so I see that being a particular theme as well. You know what's cool to me is that you basically, what I liked about your story when you're talking about the interview for MTV, what's the guy's name? Scott Venner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where you went into it basically not knowing anything about TRL or the business and really not being that much of a, a, a VJ, I guess, at the time. And I think that's what gave you that success long-term. I think a lot of people in business struggle after they go to business school because they feel like it has to be a certain way. Yeah. But the people who go into like a new thing or new challenge like with an open mind, just like, I'm going to learn everything along the way, those are the ones who get a lot of success because they're not like holding back with their beliefs. So they're not thinking that it has to be a certain way. They're just like, okay, I need to get to the result how do I make it happen? Yeah. I was like, this is how I was taught how to make it happen or, you know, absolutely. So I think it's pretty cool that you just got there because you never saw it and you just had this energy and this passion. Yeah. I think ultimately in no matter what your particular vocation is, it's important to know what you're getting self into. I think, yeah. you know, had I been able to do all over it again, I think I, I would do a little bit more in the way of research, finding out <laughs> exactly how the business works and, uh, certainly maybe watching a little bit more of my contemporaries and seeing how that would be in reference to me. But at the end of the day, I think it really is imperative to make sure that you are innovating in your own way yes, and finding your own lane, regardless of what you're in. And I know there's, no matter what you do, a way to make it your own and make sure that you are not just uh, some sort of a, you know, rip off of somebody else. Um, I mean, I understand that mentality. It's not like I'm sitting here judging people that like look and study people to see what they can assimilate into their own presentations. But at the end of the day, like, there's nothing more exciting than an artist who's not afraid to yeah. break ground. Like Kanye, say what you want about him, but every album, the guy takes risks. The guy sonically pushes himself to figure out different ways to make things sound more epic, more whatever it is. And... You know, there's there's people like that in every industry that are just completely determined to add something different to the conversation. Right. And that's really been lately what I've been almost obsessed about is figuring out what I can do in this scope of entertainment that will change the game. 
Um, and ultimately, it's actually led me outside of the scope of entertainment into workshops that really deal with something I've always been interested in, which is the the human condition. Yes. And coming from having a mom who's a teacher, you know, always seeing how she coped or didn't with the challenges of being a teacher and then asking myself, like, what is it about our society that doesn't value teachers? Mm. And ultimately to see how even people I interview, some huge celebrities are still painfully insecure. It all pointed to me to be the issue that's pervasive and very apparent, especially in the light of school shootings like things like Sandy Hook, the theater shooting. The question is, what is going on in our world that people don't know how to deal with their emotions Mm -hmm. and navigate life in a way where they maintain a healthy perspective about themselves? I know personally... I was very insecure, even as I was on MTV. It's funny how millions of people watching you and absolutely celebrities hanging out with you. And why do you think you were insecure? You know what? To get deep real quick. Let's get there. I mean, I love my parents, but they dealt with a certain way they were raised. And sometimes it's hard to break the cycle. Yes. And Parents are always doing the best they can. So that being said, the best they can is informed by the way their parents raise them. So if their parents raise them a certain way, unless they are able to somehow snap out of that cycle, which is very rare, unfortunately, in our society to be able to break the cycle, do the work, independent workshops, whatever therapy, whatever have you, to really get perspective. Mentorship, whatever. Oh, it's huge. It's so, you know, for me, I I look back on my childhood and I, I, you know, I see how um, my parents raised me and I won't get too into it, but certainly my father was a certain way, you know, and my mother was a certain way, loving as she could be, but there was a certain dynamic there. So ultimately it left me feeling like I could never be enough. Mm. And I mean, you know, so I went to MTV and while everybody was like, oh, my God, you're you're there. I didn't feel like I was worthy of it. Really? I was questioning whether I was capable constantly. Wow. No matter almost what kind of feedback I got, it was never enough. And so I was always grabbing tapes of every episode after we were done. I was going straight to the control room. From being on air, grabbing the tape, going back to my office, watching that tape back, wow. and seeing how analyzing I was. It. Analyzing the crap out of myself. I was like how football players watch tape back, like that. Um, replay, replay. Yeah, back. And, you know, and you know what it, what it oftentimes would be a great uh, indicator of is that it was never as bad as I thought it was in the moment that it happened. So I'd come off a show thinking, oh my God, I totally bombed that segment or that interview or that throw to a video. But then I watched the tape back and I'd be like, wow, that came off all right. And then ultimately, you know, my profile just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I was, you know, all these magazines started writing articles, but none of it was enough. You know, it's interesting how, you know, human beings are coded from childhood Mm. and it really takes something that is profoundly interruptive in order to shift. And this, I'm just speaking from my perspective. It's been that case for me that I needed to really learn some lessons the hard way. And ultimately, I needed certain friends along the way to make a point of saying, hey, you know, 
this is stuff that's I don't think working for you. Yeah. And I'm sure as uncomfortable as all get out for them to bring up to me. And most people in my life did make a point of doing that. So it's also interesting to notice how often we enable people to yeah. just drift away in their insecurities. You can see it when somebody's not really living the way they could and authentically, authentically yeah. and you know owning their, their, their power, their authenticity in, in a way that allows them to deal with things in a, in a really great way. So it was for me, it was important for me to start to really aggressively look at ways outside of the entertainment industry to build on that, that notion, that uh, observation that I had about myself and the world around me. So now I'm like knee deep in incredible workshops, leadership workshops mm -hmm. that have uh, certainly empowered me to take my life to another level, mm -hmm. to become a boss, you know, as opposed to going from like hosting job to hosting job and wondering, you know, when the next audition was. Um, you being in control, me being in control, now having my own entertainment company and having different properties with different great partners and being in a different position altogether. But that came from like really looking at myself and saying like, "Wow, I'm 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 I am somebody who means something to a lot of people," <laughs> and like really taking that in yes. and being like, "You know what? I am good enough." You know, yeah. so it's 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 definitely something that. I'm sure everybody listening has had some iteration of it. You know, mm -hmm. what I've learned is that no matter who you are, there are those questions at the end of the day. I'm sure even Barack lays on his pillow at the end of the night and asks himself, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Yeah. Look at his gray hairs. Jeez. I mean, for God's sakes, if he was really at ease with all the decisions that he's making and how he's operating this country, you think he'd have that many gray hairs? Probably not. It's a level of stress that comes wow. with not being completely secure and having the emotional intelligence to entirely be on top of things. And that's just human. That's the human condition that I'm still struggling with. But that being said, I have tools now mm -hmm. that can really be depended on in moments where, you know, we go back to conversations that we had when we were younger. So anyway, yes. in a nutshell, that's really what I'm excited about now is, is bringing that into a platform. Similar to how Oprah... She you know, does it. She does it. Yeah. You know, there are people in the entertainment world that have managed to bridge this conversation that we're having to make it palpable and make it something that impacts yes. people. Yes. I, th I think there's just, you know, never enough voices like that. So I, I want to put my name in that mix. And somebody the other day said to me, wow, you have the position, I think, now to be potentially somewhat of like a Ryan Seacrest meets Oprah where mm, all this sort true. of pop culture wow. equity I've been building that. can be fused with now all this, you know, leadership workshop yeah, I see that. type stuff. So it's exciting. I'm really excited about where I'm at. Do I see a show in the future of you talk show type of, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I think the sky's the limit. I think there's just so many ways that we can go about, um, changing the world and I'm open to them all. I, I definitely think that, there could be a younger, fresher version of what Oprah's been doing. Um, and, and one that, you know, takes it out of the studio. You know, like I really want to do something uh, that bridges worlds. You know, like I'm just coming up with this as we're talking, by the way, because I do <laughs> feel like I'm just thinking about what is missing from TV that I would like to see. And I see certain people making a point of going into underprivileged areas. And, and you know, I would like to see more stars really getting open about their their lives in such a way where they become more relatable and and like for me the the q side which is a web series that yes. i had with uh youtube we partnered up with electus and you know this whole premium youtube channel rush that happened last year and so You're we, still we doing that? yeah i mean right now we're developing it into a tv show we're flipping nice. it but the big thing i wanted to accomplish out of the q side was really to 
allow people to see these celebrities with a guard down and comfortable in their element, ultimately get to a deeper place. And I think I started to scratch the surface with it. But you didn't go deep enough yet. Yeah, because, you know, there was still a part of me that wanted to people please and yep. be really nice and yep. be good enough. You know, at the end of the day, now I trust myself and, and I know that ultimately people want to be challenged. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's what's exciting about shows like, you know, Jon Stewart and The Daily Show. When you go on Jon Stewart, you know he's going to ask you some really smart questions that Hard might actually questions. challenge you. Yeah. And, you know, Bill O'Reilly, you know, not that I'm a fan of his, but the reason why he is so popular is because challenges everyone challenges everybody takes a stand for his perspective whether you like it or not and uh finally at this point in my life i get that that's important that's like imperative um for the conversation to evolve into a place that's like really dynamic you Mm -hmm. know so yeah that's where i'm at now with the q side is looking at you know an opportunity to really break down this you know separation that we have you know oftentimes people really glorify these stars i really want to break them down into like very relatable ways and bring them into their own element and i think that's like where i was getting at with uh, describing earlier like mm. getting into their past and really meeting their family their friends that really inform them and you know who knows what that could look like really but um that's something i'm in the interest of exploring kind of like a life class like oprah's life class yeah, yeah 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 absolutely it's yeah kind of absolutely and kind of family involved and stuff like that yeah absolutely and I, you know i don't see it necessarily a tone that needs to always be like you know heavy and make you feel like sure you Sad just like cried through yeah. a whole damn thing but i do feel like it's important to start to really uh connect more you know ultimately uh for people to see themselves on tv more is important whether yes. to be in the form of you know a, a really open vulnerable star really speaking from a perspective that doesn't seem it doesn't seem enough you know but then again there are a lot of shows out there that i think make the attempt so i just feel like at this point i'm, I'm going to be able to execute that yeah you know yeah well you know it's we've been talking about this off the school of greatness but uh you know i've been in some of the workshops you've done and i'm really appreciative and grateful for you opening me up to what is possible with uh ourselves what we can actually create from ourselves and i do a lot of personal development and growth work on myself already but going through a similar thing you went through it reinforces exactly um you know that we should be more confident in ourselves and we should be having self-worth more and not be holding on to stuff from the past and having it control our minds and having us hesitate with things we want to accomplish, but really be more open, accepting, responsible, and just take more action and own it yeah. as opposed to play a victim more. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that listen in, uh, sometimes they get stuck. A lot of people get stuck and the goal is to help them get unstuck. Yeah. And the stuff that we've been doing is really powerful and helping get unstuck. I think you just got to look at what hasn't been working for you. Absolutely. What has been holding you back and really take a look. Is that serving you? And if it's not serving you, it's time for yourself to figure out some way to let it go, to accept it, be responsible for it, that you've been holding on to it, but then figure out a way to let it go and release it so that you can be more open, vulnerable, and inspiring and have more energy and passion. Mm-hmm. And whether it's one of the workshop that we've gone through or something else or therapy or whatever it may be, you've got to figure out a way to let it go. Or if you can do it on your own, great. Whatever it is, that's one of the biggest challenges for a lot of people is their own walls or their own bound, or boundaries, their own limitations on themselves. And once we break through that, the possibilities are endless. So it comes down to it's, it's really like taking on that commitment to yes. evolving yourself. But see, what I've found is that 
Sure. Some people, the exceptional, can do it on their own. It's tough. But people have blind spots. Oh, so many. Yeah, I had tons. Oh, my <laughs> God. And ultimately, you need people that, that can really call you out on your crap. Call you out on your stuff in a powerful way. Yes. And then ultimately, you know, this course that we did, it's it's a breakthrough course that really continues into a curriculum. You know, it's it's an emotional intelligence yeah. course that then evolves into a leadership course. Yes. So then ultimately once you get rid of all the stuff that's not working for you, that has been, you know, embedded in you from childhood or whatever have you, bad experiences, whatever it may be. And then next thing you know, you're coming from a place of complete empowerment. Mm-hmm. And then life is your yes. oyster. It's yes. just completely up to you what you want to create out of it. I feel so like blessed mm. and, and free, you know, from the stuff that I was always holding on to. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that happened as a kid that I used to just feel like it was a part of me and that I had to hold on to it and that I was never like good enough or worthy enough. Probably similar stuff that you went through that you always thought you weren't good enough, whatever it may be with your parents or experience that you had. And once we let go of that stuff, it's like so powerful what we can create and how relaxed we can feel. Oh my God. It's so funny. It's so funny you say that because I was just taking that in the other day that like, since I did this breakthrough course, I have released so much of the the control that I had over everything. I always felt like I needed to control everything. I was like this super alpha in so many moments where ultimately there's just no release and like acceptance of what is no flow. You know what I mean? And anyway, so it's just been glorious to to (laughs) pop out on the other end of this thing and have so much more perspective. And of course the learning never ends. Like that's, what's exciting too about like, yeah. And I've uh, I've been fortunate enough uh, to, to be invited back as somebody who is now facilitating these workshops. And that's a whole nother level of learning when you can really figure out how best to empower people. You become the teacher. Oh, it's the best. That's when you learn the most. So once you're the student, you learn like, okay, here's all the material, but you really don't learn until you teach everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's a new, every time you're faced with a new person, you're able to teach something new. Yeah. And then learn something new. Oh yeah. And I find this when I'm, you know, coaching people in business and marketing and teaching them how to double their business online, it's always a new experience, a new story, a new challenge that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm learning something new every time. Mm-hmm. There's always a new obstacle that I need to get over, overcome. Yep. So it's very cool that you're you're teaching and facilitating now because you're going to continue to learn and grow. Oh yeah. And the the person that's behind the company that uh, does these workshops, they're you know in in the co-captaining position with me. So they're the ones that are coaching me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because. Ultimately, your ability to be coached, my ability to be coached and take feedback has been the reason why I've managed to keep growing in my life. Yes. You know, if I felt like I got this, had some kind of chip on my shoulder. I already know everything. You know, it's like, there's just no way to grow. It's just, and I know people like that in my life and it breaks my heart because I see what's missing from them and I communicate it with them, but they're so committed to being right. And it's like... You know, at the end of the day, uh, somebody said something to me that's so profound. Oh, my God. The thing that has caused the most war and conflict and suffering in our world ultimately stems from somebody's need to be right. Mm. I mean, it's probably the main cause of divorce, too. Yeah. It's like each person needs to feel right. right? Yeah. It's wild, man. So <laughs> it's really it's been it's been really awesome to be coached. And when you consider that. The greatest, Tiger Woods, Denzel Washington, Michael Jordan, no matter how 
prolific they are, they all have coaches that they listen to. And, you know, it's like when they... Once they stop responding and being open to the coaching, that's probably when they have their worst games, their worst tournaments, whatever it may be. Absolutely. When they're humble enough to take the coaching, even when they're like, I'm the man, I just won 10 in a row, whatever, when they're still humble enough to take it and receive feedback on what they're not doing right, that's when they can stay at the top. Oh, man, when I first did these workshops and I started getting feedback, every bit of my ego was like, F you, (laughs) you don't know me. Da, 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 da. I was very resistant. I've been on first. MTV. I'm the man. Exactly. Of people what do you watch mean? Me. My life works. What do you mean? <laughs> right? But like, it was only when I, you know, the core of me really knew that there was something to it. Like, right. I didn't, you know, bounce out of the training thinking I knew it at all. I, I sat there and I really started to listen, try to listen from a different place. Ultimately, yeah, it was my ability to like open up and release the need to be right mm. and see it from another perspective. Um, and it's changed my life exponentially. Now, you know, I've got love in my life like never a great before. great girl I just met. She seems amazing. Oh, yeah, powerhouse that she is. And, wow. um, you know, it's, it's funny. It comes back to, I think it was a line from a Common song. One of my favorite rappers, you know, he actually... Played basketball against him a few months ago. Yeah, not a, not a bad player, right? Um, and so he said something in one of his songs about, well, this is from the perspective of a woman looking for her, her man, you know, so many people out there wondering, how is it that I'm going to find the person I'm, I'm going to really love and that will love me? It's only once you really love yourself mm. and you really come to the ownership of the king that you are yes. or that I am. Then when I did that, she came along. My queen came along. Because you were telling me for like five, six, seven years, you were just kind of dating around but never really found something serious. Yeah. And was it partly because you never felt like you were worth it enough to yourself to... To have something amazing? Yeah. I mean, it was like, I think part of it was, you know, feeling like this very antiquated notion of being a man that entails conquest, that entails, you know, things to brag to your homies about. Mm. And I wasn't one of those guys, especially, but I certainly um, didn't consider how important other aspects of a woman were. To me personally, I always kind of felt like, I needed to be able to respect my woman. I needed mm-hmm. to be able to um, have a great stimulating conversation with my woman. I, all those things were things that I, I knew, but they weren't things I really acted on. You know, right. So ultimately, I found myself dating girls that weren't really stimulating in those ways. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I look at myself now as a big part of that equation, and I ask myself, well, hey, I attracted that. you, you know, And so a part of me didn't feel worthy to have that queen that did have all of those things in the fold that you wanted. Yeah. And I wasn't clear on really, really wanting that. Like, I think, you know, part of me really didn't want to be in a relationship and that's okay. If you're like in the twenties, you just want to explore and have fun and that's That's cool. And I think that's where I was to a certain extent. Sure. And then a certain extent I could definitely admit to being somebody who just wasn't really, you know, very clear Mm. in what was operating me, Mm. you know, ego and, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm in a totally different place now, and it's beautiful. I'm, yeah. I'm in love with life and her, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about vision really quick. What do you tell someone who has no clue what they want? Or they're like, I think I want this. I think I want this. I'm not sure. T- someone's telling me to do this. My parents want me to do this. What do you tell someone like that? How do they create a clear vision for their life, for their purpose, or their mission? I would ask them, what would you do if you couldn't fail? Mm. 
Like, what would really fire you up and get you to jump out of bed in the morning and just be so excited to get after? Nothing dealing with any kind of expectations on you. Just really, what would you do? Just take it way out of the box. Imagine like you've never imagined before what's possible. Take away any conversation you've ever had with a teacher that told you you were dumb or your mom telling you that's not possible, it's not realistic, and just dream. Just for fun, right? It's like I, I, would, I would almost inject, I would inject like a game element to it. Yeah, let's just have fun. It's not even like a real conversation. Whatever. It's the game of like, when choose your adventure. <laughs> and then once you start to really free up people's ability to play, you know, and like regain the sense of discovery and like what is possible, you'll never guess what comes out of people's mouths. You know, like I've sat in front of people who were successful lawyers, and they'll say, "I've always wanted to be a painter." And I'll be like, oh, my God, yeah, why not, you know? And then they'll come with all the societal conditioning that they've had. I understand. At the same time, though, it's imperative for us to always ask ourselves. I know certainly as someone who has done charity work, I've always, you know, found myself at certain points frustrated with, like, what can I do to really change the world? But really, at the end of the day, the best thing that you can do for the world is make sure you're happy. Yes. Make sure you're fulfilled. Because your vibration, the way you interact with people is going to be on a way better level. And your, you know, by osmosis going to make the world a better place. It's funny. So many people go through life never really living their dreams. Mm -hmm. And it sucks to not be able to see people really live because they're doing what they think they're supposed to be doing or they're doing what they feel like they need to to survive but uh, man, once they start living and their dreams, it's like their life starts to come alive, I guess, really. Well, a word that you just said that really popped out to me was survive, because ultimately people are in a survival context yes. for the most part. And that's really the big distinction that uh, I, I, I always want to remind people of. It's like if you take the survival out of your life, like, you know, if you don't need to mm. do your work just to pay rent, if you can start to think in terms of, Seriously, what is the life of my dreams? Yes. Start to unshackle yourself from that survival context, that fight or flight mode that so many people find themselves in, especially nowadays. You know, it's it's important, you know, because ultimately if you really set your mind to it and you really do the work to to unleash yourself from these things that have been holding you back, whether it be in the form of a workshop like we did, you know, if you want to look into the one that we did, it's MITTraining.com. Uh, it's written out, MITTraining.com. Check that out, you know, if you're in the LA area. There's equivalent companies that are doing it all over the world. You yeah. know, ultimately, it's on you to really figure out what's going to be the key. People find it in yoga. Yeah. People find enlightenment, meditation. Yes. Uh, whatever it is, find the way that you can really make sure that you are operating at 100% and then go after your dreams because ultimately, you don't want to be laying there. I don't, I don't want to be laying there on my deathbed and think about all the things I could have, should have, would have done. Yes. We only got this life to live, right? So yeah. anyway. You know, I could I could talk all day from the soapbox, but ultimately, I, don't, I feel like as much as some of the things that we're saying, you know, have been said, people can never hear this stuff enough yeah. because you still see people not living the not life of your dreams. No, and it's like, what happened? What, what if tonight was our last night? Yeah, what would we regret? Mm-hmm. I would regret not bringing this stuff up on your podcast. There you go. Because seriously, you know, <laughs> listen, there's a lot of different 
disposable entertainment out there. Yeah. That, you know, will distract you ultimately from the things that matter. Just to make you laugh. And I've been part of that. For you know, years. I've been part for years. I've dedicated large amounts of energy <laughs> to, you know, fluff. Yeah. And girls dancing around in music videos. You know, and I rationalized it. I totally did. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, you know, it's giving me a platform. <laughs> and that's that's really valuable too. But ultimately, gotta balance it out. Gotta yeah. balance for me at this point in my life, it's imperative that like I spend more of my days you know, really making it count with people. Living with purpose. Yeah. And living your vision. What's your vision then? Man, my vision is a place, a world where everyone loves themselves. And Loves himself personally. Loves, loves personally them. loves themselves and also loves people unconditionally, you know? Yeah. And because there's so much, you know, it's so funny how, you know, I, I definitely feel like I lived in a world of things being right or wrong. Mm. Mm. Um, and that came from my childhood. Certainly my dad made a point of telling me when I was wrong yeah. and he made me feel really wrong about it. And so, of course, you know, as I grew up, you know, being unconscious to the imprint that that had on me. I constantly made myself wrong, made other people wrong, you know, spoke in terms of right or wrong, as opposed to saying, wow, like the human experience is so vast. We're all learning. We're all along this journey doing the best we can. So for me to make someone else wrong when they're probably just doing the best they can, given how they were raised, would make me an asshole. Yes. And it made me an asshole for a while. And certainly some people... Most people have told me they never really had that experience of me, but at the same time, there was a level of disconnection about me that didn't really take that into consideration. Mm. So I own that, and I, and I love that I had that experience, that phase, because I can really speak to that and relate to that now sure. in the work that I do to really empower people to step up. Yeah, it's great, man. It's mm -hmm. powerful. <laughs> I love it. Well, we could talk about this for, for days, Yeah, but uh, for me, this has been... You know, going through this type of transformation, this training has been an amazing eye-opening for me. And uh, I feel unstoppable with everything now because I'm able to recognize and fully aware of all my stuff that does come up. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to hold on to it anymore. So I feel unstoppable. I feel more passion. My voice is still gone from, from part of this workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Major but, catharsis happens yeah. in this workshop. You but, can uh, let it out. <laughs> I, feel, I feel amazing and uh, definitely recommend it to everyone. So... Feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Facebook if you guys want to learn more. Uh, where can we find more about Q online? TheQside.com. Yeah, T-H-E-Q-S-I-D-E.com is the hub where uh, you'll see some of the web series that we're doing now. We have a hidden camera show that I came mm. up with called Hot Girls Get Away With Shit, and they do. <laughs> and it's funny. And uh, we also have, uh, of course, the Q side that you can uh, check out the uh, the archives of. And and I like to post all kinds of different content and stuff that I come across that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm always coming across really cool new music, and you know, you see all kinds of behind the scenes stuff that I get to experience, and I always want to share with people. Yeah. So uh, Instagram and Twitter, you you post a lot of great stuff as well. So make sure to check them out. It's, yeah, uh, inspirational I quotes. I am Caduce. Yeah, I'm um, on Twitter at I am Caduce and uh, Facebook I am Caduce as well, and Instagram I am Caduce. There you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So awesome. come come connect. Well, I want you guys to uh, post a picture on Instagram and tag both I am Caduce and Lewis Howes where you're listening to this in the world right now. And also, uh, leave us a thought. What was your, your biggest thought you took away from this? Um, 
maybe something you learned about yourself, something you learned about the world, something you learned about other people. But just share a thought on that picture and tag us both because I'd love to uh, see who is really listening and who's aware and who's receptive to this type of information. We'd love to hear that. And with that, any final words, my man? Oh, you know what? <laughs> I think I've said enough. <laughs> but ultimately, um, yeah, I really want everybody out there to realize that anything's possible. And I know it's like a Disney tagline, <laughs> but really and truly, I mean, look, my life is a testament to it. Yeah. I'm just a kid from Canada who at some point was crazy enough to believe that I could do what I've been doing. And, you know, now I, I am in a place where, you know, I'm hosting my own show and making stuff happen on every level. And, living the life of my dreams, you know, yeah. and I'm no different than you out there. So yeah. I would hope everybody really takes that on. Awesome. I appreciate it, brother. And until next time. We'll oh yeah. <laughs> Peace. And there you have it guys. Caduce, the man, the myth, the legend is sharing his wisdom with you guys. I hope you enjoyed this. Please make sure to check out school of to see all of the show notes and the stuff that Caduce talked about, it's all going to be linked up on the blog at schoolofgreatness.com. Be sure to share this interview with your friends on Twitter or Facebook if you enjoyed it. And post a picture of Instagram of yourself where you're at. Tag me, tag Caduce. Let him know uh, that you're listening and what your thoughts are over on Instagram as well. And if you enjoyed this, feel free to leave a review on iTunes for the School of Greatness podcast. The more reviews you leave... Uh, the better it is because more people get to see the show. So I appreciate all the reviews you guys are leaving right now. It means so much to me. It makes me want to continue bringing you awesome guests. Stay tuned for next week. It's going to be a very powerful guest. You are going to love it. I'm not going to spoil the surprise right now. And with that, guys, thanks again so much. And make sure to do something great. Yeah.